Chapter Five of The Shadow of a Sin by Bertha M. Clay. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Chapter Five. So, for three or four weeks of the beautiful summer, this little love story went on. Claude Lennox was au fait as to all the pretty wiles and arts of love. He made a post office of the trunk of a grand old oak tree, a trunk that was covered with ivy. He used to place letters there every day, and Hyacinth would fetch and answer them. These letters won her more than any spoken words. They were eloquently written and full of poetry. She could read them and muse over them. Their poetry remained with her. When she was talking to him, a sense of unreality used to come over her, a vague, uncertain, dreamy kind of conviction that in some way he was not true, that he was saying more than he meant, or that he had said the same things before and knew them all by heart. His letters won her. She answered them, and in those answers found some vent for the romance and imagination that had never had an outlet before. Claude Lennox, as he read them, wondered at her. The girl is a genius, he said. She were to take to writing, she would make the world talk of her. I have read all poetry of the day, but I have never read anything like these lines. Claude Lennox had been a successful man. He had not been brought up to any profession. There was no need for it. He was to inherit a large fortune from his mother, and he had already one of his own. He had lived in the very heart of society. He had been courted, admired and flattered, as long as he could remember. Bright-eyed girls had smiled on him, and fair faces grown the fairer for his coming. He had had many loves, but none of them had been in earnest. He liked Hyacinth Vaughan better than anyone he had ever met. If her friends had smiled upon him, and everything had been couleur de rose, he would have loved lightly, have laughed lightly, and have ridden away, but because, for the first time in his life, he was opposed and thwarted, frowned upon instead of being met with eagerness, he vowed that he would win her. No one should say Claude Lennox had loved in vain. He was a strange mixture of vanity and generosity, of selfishness and chivalry. He loved her as much as it was in his nature to love anyone. He felt for her the description she gave him of her life, its dull monotony, its dreary gloom touched his heart. Then, too, his vanity was gratified. He knew that if he took such a peerlessly beautiful girl to London as his wife, she would be one of the most brilliant queens of society. He knew that she would create an almost unrivalled sensation. So love, vanity, generosity, selfishness, chivalry, all combined, made him resolve to win her. He knew that if he were to go to Queen's Chase and ask permission to woo her, it would be refused him. She would be kept away from him and hurried away to Germany. That was the honest, honourable course, but he felt sure it was hopeless to pursue it. Man of the world as he was, the first idea of an elopement startled him. Then he became accustomed to it, and began at last to think an elopement would be quite a romance and a sensation. So, by degrees, he broke it to her. She was startled at first and then after a time became accustomed to it. It would be very easy, soon over, and when they were once married, his mother would say nothing. If the Vaughans were wise, they too would be willing to forgive and say nothing. He found Hyacinth so simple, so innocent and credulous, that he had no great difficulty in persuading her. If any thought of remorse came to him, that, as the stronger of the two he was betraying his trust, he quickly put the disagreeable reflection away. He intended to be very kind to her after they were married, and to make her very happy. So he waited in some anxiety for the signal. It was not a matter of life or death with him. 
neither did he consider it as such but he was very anxious and hoped she would consent the library window could be seen from the park he had but to walk across it and then he could see claude lennox was almost ashamed to find how his heart beat and how nervously his eyes sought the window i did not think i could care about anything so much he said to himself i begin to respect myself for being capable of such devotion it was early on wednesday morning but he had not been able to sleep would she go or would she refuse how many hours of suspense must he pass before he knew the sun was shining gaily the dew lay on the grass it was useless to imagine that she would be thinking of her flowers yet he could not leave the place he must know at one moment his hopes were raised to the highest point it was not likely that she would refuse she would never be so foolish as to choose a life of gloom and wretchedness instead of the golden future he had offered her then again his heart sunk an elopement it was such a desperate step she would surely hesitate before taking it he walked to the end of the park and then he returned his heart beat so violently when he raised his eyes that it seemed to him as if he could hear it a dull red flush rose to his face his lips quivered he had won the white flowers were there there was no one to see him but he raised his glengarry cap from his head and waved it in the air i have won he said to himself now for my arrangements he went back to oakton park in a fever of anxiety he telegraphed from oakton station to the kind old aunt who had never refused him a favour asking her for particular reasons which he would explain afterward to meet him at euston square at six a m on thursday there is someone coming with me whom i wish to put under your charge he wrote and he knew she would comply with his request he had resolved to be very careful there should be no imprudence besides the elopement his aunt should meet them at the station hyacinth should go home with her and remain with her until the hour fixed for the wedding hyacinth had taken her life into her own hands and the balance had fallen she had decided to go this grey dull gloomy life she could bear no longer and the thought of a long dull residence in a sleepy german town with a relative of lady vaughan's positively frightened her claude had dazzled her imagination with glowing pictures of the future she did not think much of the right or wrong of her present behaviour the romance with which she was filled enthralled her if any one had in plain words pointed out to her that she was acting badly dishonourably deceitfully she would have recoiled in dread and horror but she did not see things in their true colours all that day lady vaughan thought her granddaughter very strange and restless she seemed unable to attend to her work she read as one who does not understand if she was asked a question her vacant face indicated absence of mind are you ill hyacinth asked lady vaughan at last you do not appear to be paying the least attention to what you are doing the girl's beautiful face flushed crimson i do not feel quite myself she replied lady vaughan was not well pleased with the answer ill health or nervousness in young people was as she said quite unendurable she had no sympathy with either she looked very sternly at the sweet crimsoned face you do not have enough to do hyacinth she said gravely i must find more employment for you miss pincock called the other day about the clothing club you had better write and offer your services as though life was not dreary enough thought the girl without having to sew endless seams by the hour then 
with a sudden thrill of joy she remembered that her freedom was coming after this one day there would be no more gloom no more tedious hours no more wearisome lectures no more dull monotony after this one day all was to be sunshine beauty and warmth how the day passed she never knew it was like a long dream to her yet something like fear took possession of her when lady vaughan said it is growing late hyacinth it is past nine she went up to her and kissed the stern old face good-night she said simply with her lips and in her heart she added good-bye she kissed sir arthur who had never been quite so harsh with her and as she closed the drawing-room door she said to herself so i leave my old life behind End of chapter 5